Well, welcome to Techman Talks Dynamics. I'm joined today by Kelly and John, who are part of our CRM Power Platform team. Um, and it's that time of year when Microsoft have announced the latest releases of uh, what's happening across all the Dynamics 365 products. I know we've covered Business Central in uh, an earlier podcast, but we're turning our attention today to what I'll call the CRM uh, apps that, that Microsoft have out there, sales, still called customer service. Just about. Just about. And uh, we'll, we'll look at those and, and what Microsoft have done. So they, as always, they publish a, a long, long document. What we're going to try and do is uh, you guys have picked a few of your highlights. So we're not covering everything, but what we've tried to do is look at what we think our customers would probably find beneficial um, rather than looking at just all the new new whizzy features they've added in um, and, and go through uh, a few of those, probably around about top 10 or not, I haven't counted how many, but there's a few on the list that, that you've highlighted uh, and we'll go through it. So I'll throw it over to you, first of all, John. Um, the look and feel, the the experience, has anything changed much around that? At the moment, no, but users might have spotted in the top bar, you've got a uh, slider bar for new look, um, which some people have had a go with, some people have not. Um, it's one of these that they are now going to force it to turn on. You can turn it off if you want. And it was just really some of the, it's just really tidying up the look a bit. So you're getting rounded corners, you're getting brighter colors. It's nothing particularly exciting. It's just making it a little bit more modern. The one feature that I found when I tried with it, which I really like is on a subgrid, you often have the, um, the, uh, uh, the pages at the bottom. So you have to go through one, two, three, four. You tend to find now it's a big scroll bar. So you've got lots and lots of options in there, much more, you know, many more records. So previously, if you've got a small subgrid that's got one of four records that you can see, but you've got 20, you're scrolling through page after page just to get that. Now they're all in there. Okay. And you also find a lot of the views that you get, whereas you can you can take them up to 250 as the maximum records. Now all of a sudden you can have thousands in there that right. you start to scroll down. Okay. So it's, uh, it's made it a little bit easier in terms of searching. Um, if you go to a, uh, an update, if you've got to find records, yeah. But it's, main, it's mainly visual changes. It's, it's all visual, really... yeah. There's nothing in the background that changes in terms of functionality. It just looks better, um, just looks a bit cleaner. But it's also one of those that, as I said, they are going to switch it on automatically. But yeah. if you don't like it, you can also turn it back off okay. again. Okay, okay. So for now, yeah, for yeah. now well, yes. I've never seen this with other products, haven't there? I mean, we've, we've using um, like Outlook and Teams have had the new scroll across. takes a little bit of a... Take deep breath, get used to the things that yeah. moved a little bit, but it's probably, you've got to take the jump sooner rather than later before you're forced. It's probably good to, to have a play with it at least, make sure everything works, and then roll it back if, if you're not overly happy for a, yeah. at least a while for the improvement. And just to say as well, when you do turn it on, it is per user. So if someone goes right. into the system, turns it on, you're not turning it on for everybody in your organisation, it's just your user account. Um, so everybody else has their choice. And is it a big jump? Do you, do, you, do you feel that it's different or it's just like, you've mentioned a few features there that are, are obviously an improvement by the sound of it, more on the screen. Yeah. Is there anything they think, wow, I can't find, or is it not, it's not no, that revolutionary? No, no. It's no, more no, of an evolution of the product. Yeah, nothing's really changed where it is. It just looks a little cleaner. Um, it's just changing that sort of, okay. you know, this just overall, overall view. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. The next one we've got down there on Kelly's is around enhanced attached emails. I'm not too sure what that means, so I'm going to throw that one to you. So I don't know if you've ever tried to send an email in CRM and add an attachment to it. It's not a very user-friendly experience, let's say. Okay. So basically the way it works at the moment is you create the email record, you save it, and then you've got a little subgrid where you add all of your attachments in as separate files. So basically what they're doing is they're making um, the way that you add attachments to emails within CRM better. Yep. So it's going to be more of a more like an Outlook experience for, for users. So you can drag and drop. Um, you can attach files quite simply. You know, just just generally a lot better from the, the user point of view. It's it's 
not a revolutionary change. It's something that probably should have happened a while ago. Mm. Um, but it's just going to make that email experience a little bit more native within CRM just to take away that that need for your users to feel like they need to go and send emails from Outlook still. Okay. Um, and just, you know, enhance that experience for them. So it's one of Microsoft's top goals, I always say, to, to stop people jumping from app to app to app. So yeah. again, so improving what was sounded a little bit clunky. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, he said, give, gave, gave the excuse to jump back into Outlook and then you, you potentially waste a bit of time and effort while, while you're doing that. I didn't realise it was that bad, I've got to be honest. I've, I don't spend a huge amount of time creating emails in there, but it's not, not a fun experience, I'm assuming, previously. No, so obviously, you know, you you want people to send emails from within CRM because you're managing cases in there, you're managing opportunities, leads, you know, all of these different records in there and you want people to be working on these records natively in CRM. Mm. The whole point of integrating all of this stuff into CRM is so that people can work natively within it. But the way that you wanted to send attachments to people, it, it just was, it wasn't very user-friendly. People okay. were just flicking back to Outlook because it was just easier. Yeah. Yeah. More familiar. Okay, so two two changes to start with. They're, they're small, which we've seen a lot of evolutionary changes, things just improving gradually. That's the idea of a SaaS product, right? So you yeah. don't need a huge amount of retraining on lots of stuff, but there's small improvements all along. So, okay, that's that's obviously a nice positive. So we go into leads and opportunities. So um, you, you've, you've commented on this one around like that the, they're now being auto-assigned leads in, in turn based on profiles and things like that? Yeah, so we've... Previously, as you know, consultants for CRM, we've done things around assigning leads for people where we've done it based on territory or, you know, we've categorised leads and we've had to put some quite complicated automations in the background, right. you know, as customizations to CRM to do that auto assigning of leads. So what the system is now going to do is it's going to allow you to create capacity profiles based on certain attributes that you can assign to leads. So be that a, a product, a territory a type, you know, um, various different attributes that you can assign so that you can give kind of a priority to leads. So that for um, leads where they're particularly hot leads, you know, and they're assigned those attributes of being particularly hot, you can make sure that they get priority of being assigned to sellers so that they can be followed up right. first. Um, but then also what it's going to do is you're going to be able to assign capacity to the, the sales team. So um, each different lead attribute will take up different capacities. Um, and then your sellers can have a certain capacity of leads. So if you've got high profile leads and you want people to spend a lot of time concentrating on it, you can assign higher capacity yeah. so that they can only have, you know, two X or three leads, yeah. of those leads. Um, whereas if they've only got low priority leads, they can have, you know, sort of five or six. Higher volume. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, you know, from that, is that is it a lot of work to set that, that up? When you talked about um, how, how you assign those leads with all the different um, attributes they've got, I'm guessing that that's where the legwork comes in when you're setting this up to make sure that the system then can understand how it's going to classify a lead. Yeah. So the um, the configuration of this is being taken from the back end of automation and, and brought to the fore so that, you know, it can be managed by organisations themselves as mm. opposed to having to be customization that's built into the background and in the automations um, so that it's configurable by system admins um, and by you know, super users of the system themselves, just using conditional attributes, you know, the, the same familiar screens that they'd be using with advanced finds and, and all of those kind of okay. native CRM tools. And I think a lot of things we're seeing across all the Dynamics 365 products at the moment with this automation and with AI, if your data is not good, it's not going to do a great job, right? I know everyone goes, oh, it, it's rubbish. It's not what it's meant to be. It's not what it says on the box. But you get your data right and you get that 
I know we've stressed it for years and years, but if you get that right, you're going to have a better experience and a better outcome with these new features than if you just assume it's going to do everything for you. Okay, so that's the idea of, of automate, automatically allocating leads to people based on a whole bunch of different attributes. While we're talking about leads, qualification and, and, and has that changed at all? Yeah, there's been some slow changes over the last couple of um, last couple of releases, um, but there's now a, a screen that lets you ch- you have a few settings. Some of them have been there in a in a limited capacity, but they've added it onto and added onto it a bit more this time. So previously, when you qualify a lead, you get the box to say whether you want to create an account, a contact, or an opportunity. Um, it now has the ability that you can say, "I always want to create an account." and an administrator can do that, so or a contact or an opportunity, or you can say, actually, I'm gonna leave it to the seller to decide. Right. Never, never good, I work in the sales team. <laughs> never, never trust the seller to do anything they're meant to. So, yeah. so that was one of the features. The other one is that, uh, another one is that you can add in various fields that map through from a lead to an opportunity. Now, this is something that we've always been able to do as, um, as, as customizers. Um, it's now sort of come down a level so that more sort of a system administrator can do it. So it'll automatically create those fields and bring them through okay. if you want to. Um, the other thing that we've got is the ability to create multiple opportunities from a lead. And again, I, whilst I haven't looked at it, I think this is something we've been able to do, but it's been clunky. Oh. Um, but now we've got the feature. We haven't got any details about how it's going to be used, but it's it's yeah. a bit more open to, to do that now. So, so we still define, I guess, a lead, at least in Techman, from our sales team, a lead is almost like a, an embryo opportunity. We're not too sure what's going yeah. to become of it, but you're right. We could have multiple opportunities. If we're talking to a business, it could be an ELP lead, it could be a CRM lead, it could be both, and there could be a whole bunch of, you know, uh, IP products that we would attach and services. Yeah. So you could have multiple opportunities that you want to. Because there's nothing worse than starting with something <laughs> from with not being a CRM expert. But when we use the product, you know, we we found we've set it up as an ELP and CRM. And then how do, you, how do you amend that lead going down? Once it becomes the opportunity and you've put both, well, actually, maybe the LP element drops out. It's just a CRM. You've got to recategorize it and it's a pain because then all your data is wrong in terms of pipeline and what may or may not come in. So I'm yeah. guessing that's going to help. It is, yeah, because if you look back going through all those records, it may be the lead has actually come from a campaign and it might be useful to see the opportunities come from a lead, the lead from a campaign, to see where everything where comes from. from. And if you're taking out that extra record for the lead, you can see that it's come from a discussion that might have gone on at that campaign yeah. rather than just another one that's been created because there's a second conversation that may need to go through. So, so yeah, that, that might be useful. In, okay. in terms I like, of I like the, the ability as well, you said, to automatically create like accounts from that. I think that would, yeah. that would be useful because sometimes otherwise you get multiple accounts it's slightly different for really what is the same account, but because their leads come from different opportunities, people just create you know, company yeah. A and they call it something slightly different again and, and you get a bit of a mess. And yeah. We've had that anyway in the yeah. past. And the other thing to add on that is there's now an option. Again, we don't know how it's going to be used yet. We've just got the preview, but uh, a co-pilot summary of the lead. Now, I find that these co-pilot summaries can be quite useful. Yeah. So, for example, if you've been away on holiday, I go into Teams, there's like a, a, a team chat, you click on the top, summarise from the last seven days so you can see in a few sentences everything you've missed. Mm-hmm. So it may be that's, um, that, that's the sort of thing we're looking at, that it's, uh, it's going to give you a summary of what's happened. So that if a salesperson, maybe someone different doing the leads, I mean, at Techman we have people doing leads differently to, to the opportunities. Yep. It may be that you have that summary that means you've got a lot more information that somebody can just quickly absorb rather than having to read through the whole record. I think we found, and we, we, we've been using Cobalt for a few weeks now, um, 
I'll plug the other podcast. We've got a co-pilot podcast that's already up online. So if you've not checked that one out, listen to that. But we found the biggest thing, I think, which works really well is the summary, whether it's email summary, meeting summaries. That has really been, wow, okay, I didn't expect it probably to be that good. Um, And I I keep learning new prompts, which are, you know, what questions should we ask after this meeting based on that data? And there's some half decent stuff that's come out of that. So I'd be interested in that because it's like, it's getting data. There's so much stuff in CRM, even with our own own system, to try and uplift the bit you're really interested or you need to know about now. Um, or as you said, after coming back of a holiday or you've been out for a couple of days, then uh, it's good. Or you know, we, you know, sales opportunities can be moved around, can't they? So if you reallocate it, it'd be good to have a summary of the what's gone on in historically. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's it from a sales side yes. at the moment. So we'll jump on to customer service, and I think the next one we're going to have a look at is the idea of um, the admin. Uh, Oh, no, I've missed one there. Sorry, the, the cases. So we're looking at uh, cases and multi-queue. Yeah, we have a few customers that use uh, automatic record creation, right. um, which essentially means that you have an email address that's connected to a queue, and the queue has got rules that create records. So as an email gets sent to a particular email address, it, the end result is you get a case created on your system based on that email. And you saying that would be like a, a just so I understand that, a, like a... Um, almost like a distribution list email where it would be like rather than a, a, a John at Techman it would be hello at Techman or yes, Casey yes, so it's more yes. of a, a pot of a, where yeah. anything could come into it, I mean it could be an individual's email address yeah. but I don't really see the need for it but yes it would be as you say a sales at or, or a customer service in this exactly. one right okay exactly so what we've had before is we've had one of our customers who recently if you start getting different email addresses in the CCs and the BCCs it can cause all sorts of issues um, there's we eventually found the reason why, um, and it's it's a strange one. Okay. Um, but it looks like this new feature that's sort of hardening up the process that's there. And it always had to go to one queue. So it would pick a queue, and if you had more than one, it was sometimes a bit of a lottery as to which queue it ended up in. But what we've now got is the feature that if more than one queued email is included in the email address, then it will add that case into more than one queue. Okay. So it will actually create multiple cases. So it could be that you've got an email that's going to sales and an email that's going to um, customer services. If those are both email addresses that have got queues behind it, it'll create a case in, in both of them okay. so that different people may be picking those up and so they can be handled differently. If Okay, so if, if, they, if that did happen... What happens if, if they both picked it up? I mean, there might be different elements to it. So one might be said, might be a commercial question, one might be a technical question. So that would make sense. If it was one question, I'm assuming that you're just relying on the call, whoever whoever it ends up at to, to determine this isn't me or... Yeah, yes. Right, we, okay. Um, as I say, I'd like to see it. It'll be yeah. interesting, interesting how it actually works in practice, um, whether those cases are linked as related cases. Um, I mean, it may, for example, we have a customer who every single case that gets created, every single email that goes into a particular queue, a case gets created. Now, maybe that's just an email, maybe absolute junk, in which mm. case the user will look in, close it, because right. it's, it's, it's an irrelevant case. You're relying on... Good for your closing closing call times. Yeah, you, you, it's very good at that, yeah. <laughs> But it may be that if you've got something that's got those double, um, you know, possibly, a, a, um, you know, two two issues on there that's yeah. come into two different cases. Maybe someone's just replied and it's come back to something. I suppose you need to make sure that the other the other one that's there, it, they are actually picking that up rather yeah. than you're just, just blindly closing that case 
assuming that somebody else has got no, it. I think you're right. The more I think about it, the more it does make sense. If they've cut that multiple people into the uh, into the reply on the email, then it, it makes sense that at least everyone's aware of it rather than just assuming someone else is dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So from an admin perspective, has there been many changes from like the administration side? Yes. Yeah, so we've had, um, over the, the last few years, we've had a, a lot of features going to CRM on the customer service side. We've had the introduction of Omnichannel, the live chat, um, Power Virtual Agents, um, lots and lots of features just released into customer service itself around automatic record creation, queues, things like that. So we had um, some of the settings were in the customer service hub. We had an Omnichannel admin center app to do all the Omnichannel settings. And we had various other places where different settings were were set up and configured. So um, what they're doing now and what they've introduced is um, they've introduced a customer service admin center. So this isn't new for this wave. They actually bought it out last wave. But what they're doing now is they're deprecating all of the old admin centers. So, you know, people need to start moving towards the new admin center to do all of the configuration of the the front end and the back end things like creating their queues and creating their unified routing rules um, and basically just making sure that anything that they're doing in terms of customer service admin they're doing in the customer service admin app and getting used to it before all of the other places go away. Okay, so it's a mature, I think you're just seeing the product mature, yeah. aren't you? And uh, yeah. obviously Microsoft have a history, no doubt, of acquiring technology and then they've got their own admin centre, but it's, it's good to see them rounding that off. I've seen it with other products. I think it normally means the, the, the product's heading in the right direction and, and, and must be far easier to have one admin centre rather than multiple. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So from that side, that's good. That's uh, tidying up and... and, and cleaning everything up around that. Um, you've gone there regarding extracting customer information into Office apps, so, yeah, that's, so this, that's interesting. this comes back to the Copilot thing. So there's a, a sales Copilot app. Um, we've had it for Outlook for a while, um, but it's been introduced into things like PowerPoint, Word, Excel, so that you can pull in you know, that, that sales Copilot data from CRM and use that data to make Word documents, pull in information into Word, pull in information into Excel, um, and potentially even pull in information into PowerPoint to make presentations about that customer using their CRM data. So if we had like um, a, a template within Word for a typical proposal, standard proposal, we can now start to have the ability with Copilot to almost say, go and generate a proposal for this product based on uh, records that f- yeah, here's a using, using the opportunities and the accounts and you know all of that different information that you've got about that customer stored in Zero. Wow. Okay. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. Um, and you said, and you said it goes into Teams as well and all that type of stuff. Is it? Um, um, so they're well, they're, they're spreading Copilot everywhere. Yeah, is the, it, yeah. the reality of it. Um, but specifically, they've they've specifically listed a feature to introduce it into. Things like Word and Excel. And- so you might know the answer to this. It's probably unfair because I'm just going to throw this out of nowhere without talking about it before. Um, I know what we found with Copilot on um, on the office side. Obviously, there's a few free bits of Copilot, but it does the bare minimum. Obviously, for Copilot, when it goes into Word, Excel, Teams, Outlook, there's an additional cost. Is there an additional cost for this one? Do you know, or is it part, is it part of the CRM upgrade? Or I've seen there's like a Copilot for sales, which seems to be an additional cost. So it's... <sighs> It's a bit of a dodgy one. Okay. <laughs> it's, the answer. It's, it's not a straightforward answer. So the access to the CRM data yeah. and Copilot is technically included in your sales enterprise license. Okay. But to enable it in Word, you'd probably need the Copilot, Copilot for sales or whatever. For, yeah, the additional Copilot license that you'd need to use it in Word if you weren't using it in the CRM context. If you were just using it to generate Word content anyway. Okay. 
So it's probably a little bit of both. Is right. the answer right okay. to that one? Okay, okay. I'd, I'd seen there was an additional cost of I don't know about you know twenty five thirty pounds per month per user for copilot for sales, and I wasn't too sure what that gave you because there were some copilot stuff included in CRM as well. Yeah. So it's uh, it's this way Microsoft makes billions if you, if of dollars. You want every to, month. Yeah. So the the stuff that's included as part of CRM is um, I think the the Outlook stuff is included as mm-hmm. part of the sales enterprise license. I think a certain amount of the Teams integration with it is included on the CRM side. But then I think if you move it into Teams, you need the additional license oh, okay. there. And and I'm fairly sure for the Word and Excel um, extensions, you're going to need the additional okay. sales co-pilot. Fine. So just be aware of that, people yeah. looking. But it, it, it's, it's neat to see that. Again, it's Microsoft's vision that this data flows across all your apps and you can start to use the apps that people use without them going to CRM, but it will still be able to generate your proposals and, and clever things like that. Okay, so um, we're seeing the, the continual uh, use of Copilot across all Microsoft's products and uh, it's, it's good to see it coming into um, CRM as well. So the next one, John, I think we got was around sensitive data in Omnichannel. So you have to explain this one to me. Yeah, it was just one that I saw. It was pretty much on its own, really. Um, it's always been one of those considerations ever since I got started that if you've got data in your system that is sensitive, um, there's no real way of classifying it as sensitive. Um, okay. You can use field level security, which we've had for a long time, which can sort of hide it from people. Um, but there's no, it doesn't really say that it's sensitive. It's just data you don't have access to. This is going to be interesting in that it not only does it audit uh, the changes to it, um, but it also audits access to it. So it's almost it's almost as if you know you can go into a CRM record if you've got access to it, um, and there's no record that you've actually been in there. But if it's if if it's what I think it's going to be, it's then going to mean that there is a log of people actually viewing that record of, of accessing that data. So it's just it's just you know sometimes people do store sensitive data yeah. in in CRM, um, and it's just going to be interesting to see what they do with it. To how it's going to... I can see that being a real key thing across all our data because we're seeing with Copilot that it's, it's obviously going out. Copilot goes out into all these different data sources, uh, especially when it becomes useful in the business that it is looking at CRM, it is looking at your team's chat, it is looking at your, your Outlook conversations and what you're stored in OneDrive. And if there was, I don't know, if you're using storing something sensitive, whether it's pricing, whether it's, I don't know, grievance against somebody and that's all stored in CRM and yet they search on their own name or something like that it pops up not knowing how maybe first of all have you got access to it yes or no it's going to be important mm-hmm. but who has viewed that would be would be critical to know who knows that information yeah. that data privacy becomes clean. okay so um be interesting to see that i think we're going to tag a lot more data with sensitive and lock it down as copilot spreads its uh grubby paws throughout of all of um, all our data yeah there is another one as well that if customers are using conversational intelligence it's yeah. also recording your conversation so obviously lots of sensitive information could be um, divulge in that conversation. Would that be something like in a call centre? So yes, it's actually yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you've got things like sentiment analysis that will actually see if, if conversations are positive, negative, and, and it's adding that co-pilot element to it. Okay. Um, but you will actually have a whole recording of a conversation, obviously, of which there could be there could be things that you don't want anybody accessing. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, okay, That's that sounds... It, it, AI actually sounds like it, it's getting their early steps, and it's only version one of Copilot, but... Yeah, just we talked about like at the beginning, teams transcribing and that it does. It's picking up so well, and once it starts to understand maybe the tone of those conversations, or the, that's that's even more scary. Um, <laughs> great. Okay, so while we're on Copilot, um, it, it's 
there's some links into emails as well within CRM? Yeah, it was just one of those little extra ones that I saw um, that uh, that was added to the email element of uh, of when you when you're composing that email. Now, when composing email in CRM. inside CRM, yeah, yeah. yes. No, I mean I've had a go into a copilot within Outlook, and I think the one that I've got was um, I think it was called Coaching, yeah, and it told me that. You know, I need to be more friendly. I need to specify more things like that. There wasn't really anything that wrote it. But when you're actually writing this, um, from what I can see from the options available, you could say that you want it shorter, normal length, longer. Um, I don't know why if you're doing a business email, you want to make it longer. Um, you want to make it short, make it more concise. Yeah. Yeah. But it can also alter the tone. So there's that idea of having it friendly or, or more formal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it will add that sort of tone for it. Um, I've yet to see how it's going to work in, in, a, in a action because it's just been a preview feature. But, um, but yeah, it's just that ability to add that, just that uh, uh, thing to review and maybe modify based on what you want to do. It's kind of similar to the email attachment thing though, isn't it? In that it's taking away that excuse to work in Outlook for people again. Yeah, yeah. Because people would say, oh, well, I can get co-pilots write emails for me in Outlook. But then they won't have that excuse if it works in CRM as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Copilot just continues to um, be everywhere. Uh, so Power Automate. So the reporting, sorry, the Power Automate is workflow and now you're getting that into Power BI, which is the, re, the reporting or the visualization tool for reporting. Yeah. So as with, you know, all Microsoft documentation, it's a little bit vague about how it's actually <laughs> going to work. Um, but so it's it's long since been not an issue, but... You know, we've had the odd requirement here or there where people have got data in Power BI and they want to be able to do certain actions with this data. They want to be able to update, you know, certain things throughout based on what this data is telling them. So you can now embed a button in Power Automate that calls a flow. Um, and to that flow, you can send it, you know, certain filters that you've had on this data from Power BI um, and certain things that Power BI has reported from this data. So certain analysis is done. Um, and then you can get Power Automate to do actions based on that analysis. So again, really want to get our hands on it to see what it's actually going to do mm. um, in terms of you know how far we can take it, what it will do with that analysis that Power BI is doing. So some of the some of the preview examples it gives is like creating an Excel spreadsheet, which is you know it's nice, but it's a bit boring, mm. you know. But if you can get it to actually for example, do analysis on the relationship with your customers and then go and update your CRM data with that relationship. You know, if you can get it to do things like that, then that's really powerful technology that we yeah. can we can take advantage of. Okay, okay. I watched a few uh, of the short videos Microsoft released when they announced this, you know, five to eight minutes long. And it, it did look pretty cool the, the way that... Um, with a with Copilot and AI, where it was now saying, right, create me a campaign based on you know the audience that we might have for a particular. I'll use food as an example that that's looking for a plant based uh, recipes or plant based products, and it would go through and, and use all its intelligence to try and generate your list. That then they would create the the email campaign that was going out and use the imagery that we've probably used in others and, and, and start to look at what we've already done and look and find leads and opportunities that were there that had been successful. So we'll we'll base what we're going to do now based on that. I thought it was pretty nice. I know their demos. I've been watching them for decades. They, they look phenomenal. And then you use it in real life and your data is probably not quite as good and it's it's primed, obviously, to look, look good. But, I mean, it, they will get there. And so this... CRM, there's so much stuff that we store in ours that I wish we could drag out quicker or plan that journey for our customers. I think it's a really exciting area that, that CRM continues to take all this new uh, new technology and, and, and hopefully we will all benefit of doing stuff quicker 
um, more cost efficient and we can pass that on to the customers as well and they can they can start to use it. Okay. I mean, the one thing we always caveat this stuff with, as you said, it's only just starting to appear in sandboxes and nothing ever arrives all on one day. It drips in, bits are here. So we might not get some of this for months, but when's it due? When are the first features? Is it April time? These, these are coming out roughly. So we've got some of the features are marked for public preview as early as February. So potentially in the next couple of days, you yeah. know, we, we're going to be getting them. Um, so public preview means obviously we can turn them on in sandboxes we can see what they do we can have play with them we can make sure they don't break things Mm. um and then uh we've got general releases um as soon as march you know the so the spring release normally lands around between sometime march and and april yeah so so generally we normally um get the wave release end of january early february and then the from that point onwards, oh, dripping out. they start to drip out okay. Yep, okay. for the next six months. So we'll see some of these hopefully soon and we'll see a few more as the summer carries on before we get through and then uh, we'll, we'll update no doubts uh, when we do more podcasts around when it's arrived and we've been able to give it more of a, a test and an informed decision whether it's worthwhile having to play with or not. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Kelly, John, thank you as always for bringing me up to speed. I'm sure all the uh, the listeners and the viewers around this on, on what's happening with CRM. Um, I know Jason's on holiday at the moment, hence I've sat in, so probably not been as, uh, as as informed as as Jason would have been on these things. But it's been great to to learn uh, a lot around what's happening with the Wave One release for 2024 for CRM. I look forward to seeing it uh, all, all come to fruition. Uh, and that's it for today's episode. Thanks for for joining us. Um, hope it's have been of hope it's been of use. And uh, you'll join us again soon on another. Episode of Techman Talks Dynamics. Hi.